Hello and welcome back to the Big Pivot Podcast. I'm Rob O'Regan, your IDG host. Today we're asking a critical question. Why don't more organizations manage data the way they manage their money? Joining me again is Graham Thompson, Senior VP and CIO of Informatica. Graham, you recently wrote a blog post about how data is a business asset, but that many organizations aren't framing that opportunity in the right context. Explain what you mean by that. Yeah, Rob. So, you know, I think the, the first thing we have to acknowledge is, that, is how difficult this is. And from my discussions with peers and customers, you know, I really believe that most companies really do intend to leverage the data as, a, as an asset that can be used to drive value. And most CIOs agree that trying to frame the opportunity as using data as a bonus or something extra, they, they would agree that that would be a ridiculous statement. But, you know, I would argue that extracting the maximum value from, from assets of all types are really table stakes for, for every business. However, the difficulty really, really seems to be that most companies are trying to do this without disrupting the structure of their company. They're trying to avoid the political or the structural disruption that comes with breaking down either functional silos or, or thinking about the processes and the data end-to-end for the benefit of the company rather than the function. And, and you, know, you and I have talked before about how data and ownership sometimes goes together and it really gets in the way of sharing data across the enterprise. I've also heard you say that because of the need to get the most out of your data, CIOs need to manage it as currency, the same way a CFO manages the organization's financial assets. How do you do that in practice? Yeah, so I think those two, those two things, just like your CFO, you have to have the perspective of the broader enterprise perspective of where the money or the data comes from, how it comes in and moves throughout your enterprise and where the most profitable use of that asset, be it data or money, would be. So just like you really expect your CFO to understand the moving parts and how the money comes in and goes out of the organisation, where it's stored, who has access to it, where it's most effectively used, you could argue that the same expectation should really be true of the CIO if you substitute the word data for, for money. And, um, you know, I've never met a CFO who would say, oh, this is complex. You know, we've got money coming in from different currencies, from multiple customers in different regions. And some of the money is owned by this function or that region. And I'm sure if I asked, they'd share it with us for the greater good of the company. But it's really on a best effort basis. That would sound completely ridiculous. But that's really the way some companies are talking about what they're trying to do with their, with their data. So to try and get people to think about it differently, I would argue that you should use that money test with your, with your data. It's really the foundation, and it's the difference between having data you can use to really drive some outstanding outcome, even if it's for something that you haven't even thought of yet, versus just having a disconnected mess of data and all these different siloed functions and applications. That's really more of a problem than it is uh, an asset that you can use to do anything. I want to follow up on that last point with our second guest uh, joining my phone today. David Linthicum is a senior VP with Cloud Technology Partners. He's a cloud computing and big data thought leader, executive consultant, author, and speaker. Dave, from your perspective, how prevalent is this disconnected mess that Graham just mentioned? Yeah, Graham and I pray at the same church. I mean, this is a huge issue, and it's been a huge issue for a very long time. I wrote three books about this, how people are not necessarily leveraging information as it exists within the organization. And, you know, things existed in silos. And while it was was kind of um, expected, the fact we're moving things into SAP and uh, all these various ERP systems and, and, and data warehouses and things like that, we're building silos, the ability to kind of make those things communicate one to another and have an abstracted view of information and have the ability to find out 
simple things like you know how much money you made in a given day and and a, a single definition of a customer is ultimately something that people know is going to have value, huge amounts of value, because we have a huge disconnected mess that exists within the enterprises, and uh, it, it really hasn't happened yet. And actually, the cloud, and I've been you know working in the cloud field for the last ten years, is is kind of made it worse. Cloud-based workloads, data stores, you know, have made things more complex. And so here's the deal: this has got to be priority. You have to fund this. In other words, you have to use enabling technology, and you have to really do some you know, very detailed planning in order to get this thing right. And you need to fix this you know, ultimately before we move everything into the cloud and before we chase the next shiny object and before we move into a DevOps organization, before we do lots of things we want to do, because we love to manage by magazine, but this is, should be priority one. Graham, to Dave's point about reducing some of that complexity, it seems that there's a precursor to the, to the perspective and precision components that you mentioned that involves simply identifying all the data that's flowing across your organization. Is, is that fair to say as a, as a necessary starting point? Yeah, especially you know, to Dave's point about the cloud arguably making this worse. You know, we've got all these different siloed applications that may have been bought independent of IT by a business function without any thought to how they would eventually integrate. So, you know, I think we have to have two things in mind. One is figuring out how to integrate the data between these cloud applications and between applications that are on cloud and on-prem. And then catalog the data that you have. You wouldn't start an investment discussion without cataloging how much money you had. So why would you start a digital transformation discussion without cataloging all the data that you have? So one thing we would recommend to our customers is that they, they catalog what they have, they figure out where the data is, where it's created, where it moves, and then figure out how to really use it in an organized way instead of the ad hoc way that it's, that it's done today. So just like with money, different types of data have different values. I'll open it up to both of you guys to answer. How do you assign value to data? How do you quantify its worth to the organization? Graham, you want to take that? Yeah, sure, I can, I can start. I mean, there's the obvious one of it has value because if you lost it, you'd be concerned. But beyond that, it's really just like money, it's not whether you have it or not, it's what you use it for. So it's really about figuring out what the business outcome is you're trying to enable and then how the data plays plays into that. And one, you know, one decent example that I had recently working with or talking to a peer in a, a bank in Europe is they were trying to get their business users excited about the prospect of being able to use their data for generating business outcomes they hadn't thought of. So they, they did an experiment and with a data lake project, and with just three months of data, they were able to predict mortgage churn, which is a hugely costly problem for uh, financial institutions. They could predict customers who would churn with a 70% accuracy with only three months of data. So when they were able to take that back as some small pilot program and say, look what we could accomplish if we really tried to use the data to generate a valuable outcome, in this case it was using predictive analytics, they could then get folks more excited about it. That's a great example. Dave, what's your, what's your take on assigning value to data? I think it really comes down to industry stuff. And, and the thing is, when I work with clients, and the answer, when, when we look at the value of data integration and look at the value of data itself, I can't tell them, well, it's very important. They want to assign a numeric value to it. And so what we do is have metrics that run across different, uh, different verticals, healthcare, finance, retail, things like that. And there is different values it can assign to data in different verticals. You know, for example, in finance, it's everything. And if they lost data or weren't using data properly the way they could or using the best available, leveraging data the best they could, you know, they're going to lose millions of dollars an hour. Uh, in the healthcare world, if you mishandle data, 
you're not integrating systems properly, you're going to lose lives, you know, not just money. And so there's all of these risk factors that have to be assigned and because businesses want to know how much. In other words, how much money, how much value am I creating by leveraging this integration solution, by leveraging data the proper way, and I have to come out with metrics to tell them. Great. So Graham gave a good example of, uh, of putting data to work. Dave, once you put those foundational components in place, once you assign those risk values, talk a little bit more about what are some of the tangible ways that businesses can start putting that data to work for them. Well, it's, it's a matter of looking at what the data can do via, around certain use cases. And so it's answering questions and determining what's inefficient currently. There's, there's kind of a couple of things. There's really kind of tactical advantages you can deal with data, the ability to kind of see something in production and understand exactly what state it's in at any given time in the real time, in a real time way. That's kind of the notion of the real time enterprise, the real time economy, where I can have access to any piece of information that I need to serve my process at any given time, and it's almost instantaneous. And most of, of course, the enterprises haven't gone there yet. And then there's the strategic use of data. You know, we talked earlier about abstractions, the ability to kind of put this layer of knowledge, this, you know, and certainly we have machine learning and, and, and predictive analytics and all these sorts of things, which is able to take data beyond the tactical realm and, and kind of turn magic with it. And so I do have clients that can predict what their businesses will be and what their customers' behaviors will be based on past data that they have in their data stores as well as future data and other, of course, external factors, the weather and the economics and all these sorts of things. And that's really where the money is to be made. In other words, companies, if they're able to grasp the strategic use of information beyond tactical, that's ultimately going to be the game changer. That's going to be the disruptive vector that's going to get them away from their competition. And I see you know, that is really kind of on the critical path for the next 10 years. Great. Uh, Graham, you've talked a lot, we've talked a lot previously about, you know, putting data to work. Any other examples or, or tips you want to share in terms of, you know, focusing on the business outcomes of what you're doing with that data? Yeah, some of the most impactful things we've seen are where our customers are getting, using the data to get closer to their customers. So this, this view of a, a 360 degree view of a customer or a guest or uh, an attendee to a sporting event. So trying to figure out how all the different touch points between the enterprise and a customer can be managed together to manage that end-to-end that -end customer journey is something that we're seeing a lot of our, our better customers really um, thinking about and focused on. Great. We talked earlier about kind of the, the role that the cloud plays in kind of increasing the complexity of how you have to manage your data. Graham, what role does the cloud play in enabling this data-driven transformation that we've, that we've been talking about? Yeah, so I think Dave said right at the start that the cloud sometimes can make this worse. And if you think about it, the, the cloud is creating a whole new set of data sources which are outside of your traditional on-prem infrastructure. So that complicates right there, that complicates the process of managing it beyond just the obvious scale. And uh, IDG predicts that 92% of all of our data center traffic will be coming from the cloud by 2020. So you could argue that the, the difference in performance between companies who succeed at this and fail at this is really going to be based on how they manage this data and that that gap between the best companies and everyone else is going to widen the more that we see things being moved into the cloud and it's really important that we think about cloud to cloud and cloud to on-prem because realistically we're all going to have some on-prem enterprise applications for, for a while and we have to think about how we're going to integrate and manage the data across all of that. That makes sense. Dave, what's your take on using the cloud to get more value out of this data as opposed to just increasing the, the complexity of, of having to manage it? 
Well, the cloud's another platform, and it's a different consumption model, and we're dealing with public, private, and hybrid, and multi-cloud, and all these sorts of things. But at the end of the day, if you're going to leverage a different platform, like we've been changing platforms over the years, and moved from mainframes, moved to PCs, moved to Unix, moved to the Internet, and now they move to cloud-based systems, you have to have some sort of integration plan in place and some sort of mechanisms to bind these things together. It's absolutely mandatory, else there's going to be no value. One of the things that I absolutely insist upon as I'm doing cloud migration projects for enterprises is that they have an integration strategy in place, including picking, you know, what are the source and target systems, understanding the semantics, understanding the mediation that has to occur between the source and target systems or it's in the cloud or on-premise, and then actually picking enabling technology so when they deploy these things in the cloud, we're not developing more data silos, more redundant systems and, you know, redundant data in, in the system. We've got enough of that already. And in essence, trying to not make things worse. I mean, the cloud is like a chainsaw. You can do tremendous good with a chainsaw here. You can do tremendous harm with a chainsaw. And it's just another tool in the shed, and we just have to learn how to use it properly. I tend to do more harm than good with a chainsaw, but that's a, that's a story for another time. Graham, how about some uh, closing advice for IT leaders who are struggling to extract more of that value from the data that they have? Yeah, there's really two main things. And the first one is we, I think we have to acknowledge that this problem is too complex to solve as an IT initiative. We have to find a business outcome that the CEO or an appropriate business leader really cares about and use that opportunity to get people to care about the underlying data and the governance around it. You know, a holistic data management journey is difficult, so we need a, we need a prize at the end to make all the pain worth it. And the second thing is we have to be relentless on technical debt uh, technical debt will slow down our ability to innovate. And I think we all have to be mindful of modern technical debt, like siloed cloud applications. It doesn't have to be old to be technical debt. You can have a modern mess just as easy as you can have an old mess. And while it might not look like a, a legacy ERP application, it can still cause the same problem. So maybe the two things, find a business problem to solve that someone cares about and be vigilant and relentless on uh, on technical debt. So before we go, Graham, I wanted to ask you about the uh, CIO reading list that you've been compiling. What's that all about? Yeah, so the reading list contains some book, general business books that have some relevance to IT leaders, uh, and it includes books like The Undoing Project by Michael Lewis, The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz, and the most recent one is uh, The Phoenix Project. And The Phoenix Project is unabashedly an IT book. It's really an IT operations fable that can sometimes be a little bit too close to the truth for uh, a lot of us sometimes that, that have worked in uh, IT operations. Ah, so it's, it's a horror story, in other words. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I should add that you can follow Graham's CIO reading list recommendations at informatica.com slash CIO. So here are the takeaways as I see them from this discussion today. Number one, leveraging data as a business asset is table stakes. Number two, the best way to assign value to data is by looking at the impact not just of losing it, but also what the data can do for your business. Uh, and number three, CIOs need to minimize the technical debt in order to accelerate innovation. Thank you, Graham and Dave, for a great discussion about the value of data. That does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Catch all of the Big Pivot episodes with Graham and other special guests by subscribing to the IDG Tech Talk channel on SoundCloud and on iTunes. For IDG and Informatica, I'm Rob O'Regan. Thank you.